As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. Don't ever take no for an answer and dream big. There's a lot of things that need to be done out there. We all have a part in it. And we all should be doing that part. Best ever listeners, before we jump into today's episode, for all my fix and flippers out there, are your financing costs eating away at your bottom line? And are you looking for a way to increase your overall profits by lowering your loan payments to the bank or maybe your private lender? Well, our best ever sponsor, Patch of Land, you know Patch of Land, they've been on the show, representatives of their company have been on the show many times, they've been a sponsor of this show many, many times, they're back for more because they love you and they love working with the best ever listeners and they've got an interesting point of view on interest rates and that is that it's... The interest rates that we are quoted shouldn't necessarily be taken at face value because perhaps a higher interest rate could actually deliver a lower cost to your fix and flip loan. And they have a white paper on how that is possible and how that can be applied to your fix and flip business to help your bottom line get more profitable and to help you choose the best uh, lender for your financing needs. So go to patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless and they've got a white paper for you and it will walk you through the way to evaluate interest rates in terms in general on your loan so that you truly are getting the best interest rate because there are some tricky things some lenders try to do to um, glaze over the fact that their lower interest rate, quote unquote, is actually higher based on some technical things that they put into it. So go to patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless and get that white paper so that you can save money on your fix and flip projects. Patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Stevie Bear. How you doing, Stevie? Great. How are you? I'm doing well and nice to have you on the show. Stevie is the president and CEO of a company called Make It Modular. And this can be interesting. It's a shipping container that is a home. And I'm sure I'm grossly simplifying that so Stevie can educate us more so on it. But makeitmodular.com is the website. And Stevie is in the fourth generation of real estate in 
family. And with that being said, based in Austin, Texas, with that being said, Stevie, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Yeah. Like you said, I am a fourth generation that's uh, been involved in real estate. My family and my great-grandfather came over on a boat from Norway and they were farmers and builders. And so the, that's what they did. And my grandfather continued that tradition. My father is in his early 70s and still flipping houses today. So I kind of came by that honestly, although I did take a detour in the social services. And that was a good thing for me, actually. And I was very appreciative of it. it taught me a lot about how to work with people. And that's been very important in the work that I do, especially with the way this recent company has taken off. So it's been good. Spent uh, most of the last uh, 22 plus years in real estate. I have a brokerage company, of course, Four Directions Realty. Kind of started doing real estate because I bought a house and it fell down. And I talked to my dad and he said, you know, you just got to figure out what happened. So uh, in the course of figuring out what happened, I went and took builders classes, got my real estate license to inspectors courses, figured out what happened, rebuilt that house from the ground up, essentially developed a taste for contracting out of that and the contracting crew, and then ended up building and rebuilding a lot of people's houses for them. Did, of course, 15, 18 years of flipping houses. And a couple of years ago, I was in San Antonio doing a historical home, which was a lot of fun. It was about three quarters of the way through that and decided I'm going to go do my passion project, what was supposed to be my retirement project. And it has turned into the biggest thing I've ever done in my life. And that is the container building. It was kind of prompted by a lot of things, but I saw container being used commercially and residentially some three plus decades ago and just had a sense that even then, though I wasn't involved in real estate at the time, even then I knew that there was something to it. So fast forward a few years as I got involved in real estate and started to study building and contracting and all, I started studying container building as well. And after a dozen or so years studying container building, felt like I was ready to kind of try my hand at what I thought could be an answer to a lot of problems. And as it turns out, yay, it is an answer to a lot of problems. So we are a container-based building solution company. We do residential, we do commercial, we do a lot of development. We're doing a lot of dev work now. And we literally went from being barely scraping by and paying the rent this first year to next year, we are bumping up deep into nine figures for the company as far as what we have on our plates. And this is my fifth company. I've never seen anything like it. Nothing has captured people's attention the way that we have designed our product. And we have people from all over the country, all over the world, seeking us out and asking us to produce this product for them. And we couldn't be more excited. Who's your typical customer? That's a good question. I wish I could say I had a typical customer. We kind of land in the millennial space or so it seems, but we quite literally have several thousand people in our database right now after just a year and a half. And we're building for people from their mid twenties up into their early eighties. So typical customer, they are looking for something different. They recognize that the product that we build why we can make it look any way you want it to look, quite literally, inside and out. Your imagination and your pocketbook is really the only limitation. We can make it look any way you want it to look. It's still going to be buried in that look is going to be all the inherent wonderful qualities that container building 
can bring to the product. So the people that are looking for us are the people that recognize that inherent ability, the affordability, the durability, the sustainability, the ability to stand up to anything that nature or man can throw at it and still be standing at the end of the day. So particularly this past year, when you look at all the natural and even some of the man-made disasters, people have been crawling out of the woodwork and coming to us and say, I need a house that's going to stand up to the next hurricane. I need a house that's not going to burn up in the next wildfire. I need a house that's not going to flood. And we can do that. We have the ability to provide them that and save homes, save businesses, and save lives in the process. And like I said, we're just thrilled to be able to do that. So the people that are seeking us out are the people that recognize that and want that and need it. And the other people are just seeking out because they just like it. It's a cool product. It is completely something that's not typical, that's for sure. And best ever listeners, I recommend you maybe pause right now and go to makeitmodular.com just so you can have a visual reference for what we're talking about. At least I would have a hard time visualizing what we're talking about. But once you see it, then hit play again and come back to our conversation. So, Stevie, you said it's protected from a hurricane, but if water rises to six feet and your container has six feet of water and all your stuff's ruined just like it would be a house, right? Well, you would think so, but that's not really how this product works. It's a watertight and airtight environment, and the way we build with it, we keep it as much that way as possible. And we also take into consideration the environment that we're building in. So, for example, our products that we're building down at the coast, we're raising those up on steel piers. And we're 14 to 16 feet, depending on the area. And then the container itself is built in such a way, the way we do the door and window structures, that it is pretty darn water and airtight. It is airtight, and it's pretty darn watertight. It's so airtight, as a matter of fact, if you were to light a candle and turn off your air system, which acts as a air and heating and wicks moisture out as well. And we use a HVR, EVR. It's sort of like a mini split system that also handles the moisture. If you were to turn off that system and light a candle and go to sleep, you might wake up gasping for air because that candle would probably suck all the air out of the room. It's that wow. airtight of a system. That's a little so, scary. Uh, it's water. How do you address claustrophobia in people who have the fear in the scenario that you just described? Or is that not a thing? Well, we make sure that the air systems that we use scrub fresh air in there. It's almost like the air that you get in there feels like you're in the middle of a forest. It's really a wonderful air system that we use. The air handlers that we use on this product are a superior air system, and they're really a wonderful product. And you do kind of have that fresh air feeling without the humidity, without any of the particulates and allergens that create issues for people. And for the height on these, we use what we call high cubes. Uh, they're nine and a half feet high. And uh, the first reaction when people come to see them, even the small ones that we have built out here at our headquarters in Austin on our lot, they get inside the, and inevitably the first comment out of the mouth is, oh my God, they're so much bigger than I thought. Wow, they're so much taller than I imagined. Mm -hmm. They're ingeniously designed where space and room is really not an issue. People that are used to living in 15, 1600 square feet are quite happy living in 800 to 1000 now because of the design and the, and the way we've used the space. So downsizing is not out of the question for people. 
because the use of the space and the design of the product allows for that. And it's really a sweet thing. And as far as the water, the entry of water, that same thing that keeps it airtight, keeps it pretty watertight. So whether you're raised on stilts or not, if you have three feet of water outside your door, some of that water might eat in along the seam of the door frame, but you're not going to have three feet of water standing in your house. Mm. So you're not going to have as much water in your house as you have standing outside it, which is a real benefit to all of our friends down in Houston. By March, we will be on the ground in all four major cities and the coast here in Texas with residential and commercial products. So anybody in the Texas area will have a chance to view that. And we are making inroads in a couple of other states as well in that period of time. Is there a zoning or code restriction that would prevent someone from having a container home? That's a question we get asked a lot. And that goes back to we can make it look any way you want. So when we run into an HOA or a situation, a scenario in a, a neighborhood, a subdivision where that becomes an issue, what we do is we go in there and we show them the architecturally designed product that we have. And we ask them what it is that they need us to do to fit into that neighborhood. Generally speaking, what they want us to do is match up to what is currently going on in that neighborhood. And that's not a hard thing for us to do. We can side these things just about any way they need to be sided. And we can side them in such a way that does not penetrate the skin of the container itself, mm. which is fabulous because less ways for water to find their way inside the container. So we have siding systems that does it need to have stucco? Does it need to have rock trim? Does it need to be brick? Does it need to be hardy? We can do any of that. So we can literally make it match up to whatever you want us to match it up to and still maintain all those positive benefits that the container building brings to the table. And what about insulation? Yeah, insulation is really a great thing. We exceed all those conditions. Of course, we build by the international code, uh, both business and residential, IBC and IRC codes. And then we also build to whatever code in the areas that we're building in. And thus far, we have exceeded all the insulation and green expectations for all the areas that uh, we've built in. And one of the reasons we started here in Austin, aside from it being one of my home bases, is it's one of the top five or ten hardest places in the country to get permitting. So we knew if we could get it permitted here, we could pretty much take it anywhere we wanted to. And we have been permitted here multiple times. So the insulation we use is a plant in water-based closed-cell spray foam insulation. And anybody that's dealt with closed cell spray foam, you can't really determine its value by our value alone. But in our value alone, we tend to exceed our value by two to five points just based on the current requirements in Austin and uh, by the IRC codes. How much does it cost? You know, we have struggled with that a little bit in our startup early on because we want to produce that affordable factor for everyone. So what we worked on real hard this past year was being able to get a formula that allows us to build at sticks and bricks cost in whatever area we go into. So we will go into an area, find out what current sticks and bricks cost is building for, and we will build you our design for that same cost or less. And that includes all the benefits of the container itself as well as our special roofing system that we have 
that is a solar friendly roofing system that also acts as a rain catchment system, which can truly give you a a big leg up on going off grid or just cutting your bills down if that's what you desire to do. So you go in and you basically let the market determine what the price is for the container in that particular area, right? Well, yeah, sort of. See, like in Austin, our average sticks and bricks cost is about 150 a square foot, whereas up in Dallas, it's 95 to 105. Down at the coast right now, it's about 165. Houston, we're looking at 115 to 120. So even here within our Texas market, obviously, we have a wide range. Some of that has to do with supplies in the areas. A lot of it has to do with labor in the areas. So that's why we try to ascertain when we go into the area, what is it that we're dealing with locally so that we can give you a fair price. I don't want to give you a price in Dallas for Austin and get up there and say, hey, it's going to be $150 a square foot. Because if sticks and bricks up there is $105, you're not going to want to work with my product. Mm -hmm. The container being our main building block and providing the base for your walls and floors and ceiling gives us a great advantage price-wise. But we don't have a lot of control over the local labor cost or cost for transporting materials that may not be available locally. But if we know what the local sticks and bricks building cost is, we know that we can achieve that using our product and give you a superior quality product for the same price as you're accustomed to in that area for sticks and bricks build. Okay. The approach that you're taking now with the company is to both do residential and commercial right now with your business. Which one are you doing more revenue for? I'd say we've got about 10 to 15% in custom residential right now. Another 10 to 15% in custom commercial. And then we have, I would say, the other 60% is probably split about evenly in commercial development and residential development. Educate me on the difference between custom residential and residential development. Sure. When we first hit the ground, we kind of thought, well, being a startup and bootstrapping ourselves through private investment money that we kind of launched off of my investment company, CREI, which did a lot of the rehabs and flips and things like that previously. So we brought a lot of those investors on board and kind of bootstraps ourselves that way. But it was a building company, and I really had no idea what it took to build a building company. It was a learning process for me, and it it still is. But we brought those people along, and having somewhat limited resources, about a million bucks is what we started with, we thought, well, we'll build a spec house or two, and then we'll try to take in some custom clients that we'll build other houses for, and we'll do what they call ADUs, additional dwelling units, which are those little he and she sheds, mom and pop shacks kids home from college shacks that you can drop into backyards. And in the Austin area and in a good deal of Texas, we can drop up to 1,100 square feet in somebody's backyard. So you have a primary home and then a home behind it. So we thought that would be our our bread and butter, really. So we started going after that market. And it's a good market. But in a custom build, you three to five months, probably, you got two to three months in development with your architect design team and maybe up to four months. And then you have the 
three to five months in permitting. So you're eight to 10 months just in the planning phase. Now, a 1,500 square foot home, I can knock that out for you in four months, which is a third to half the time of sticks and bricks building, which is another cost savings for our clients, of course, and a time and cost savings for us. But when you add up the time of the architect and design team and the time for permitting, you're well into a year to develop that project and get it built. We could look at that and see that we were going to starve to death doing it that way. So we said, how can we survive as a company while we're trying to get enough of these on the ground and enough money in the bank to live? And the easy answer was development, because while sticks and bricks building, uh, while custom building for people is great, the price tag on that is considerably higher because you're doing a single build on a single lot, but you're having to bring all the same infrastructure in, all the same time in, the same time with an architect. It's very time and cost intensive to do one. Whereas if you do five or 10 or a hundred at a time, you can drive the price down. So as we started bringing clients into our headquarters here, we definitely had people that wanted the ADUs in their backyard. We definitely had custom builders, but we also had people coming in that they were on a budget and we wanted to be able to meet that budget. The affordable part was really important to us. And we realized the only way to really meet a budget for people to drive the price down to where that affordable part really worked for people that were like apartment dwellers and needed something that could get them out of that apartment, but not quite a custom home. We needed that development space, that neighborhood space. We didn't think it was attainable, but we connected up with a good financial advisor and a team of deep money people that made it happen for us. And we developed a great lending package that allows us to have to pocket very little out of our own pockets, five to 10%, work with developers who have land that they've already done some inroads on, and we can come in and subjugate their land, take our 10% down, and with that money, build 100 houses at a time instead of one or two. And by doing that, instead of building a custom home at, say, 265 to 325 a square foot, we can now get that price down in that neighborhood to the $140, $150 a square foot that the big box builders are building for. And again, deliver you that container home, make it look any way you want, get your solar and your rain catchment system on it, have it be affordable, durable, sustainable, and deliver that product to you in a neighborhood where people that are average Joes on the lower income, middle income scale can afford to be there because we've driven it into a neighborhood. So custom is one-offs on your own lot, which is great. And dev work is those neighborhoods that we're building where anybody can afford to be there. If you had started this company 20 years ago, what mistakes would you have made that you haven't made since you have the experience that you have? I mean, you got 15, 18 years of flipping homes and you got a real estate practice or a brokerage. So what mistake or mistakes would you have made that you didn't make in this launch? Wow. I don't know if I could have done it. The path that I took to get here, well, I didn't realize this is where it was leading me. Once I had a notion of that's where I was going to go, I really kind of focused on gathering the skills that was needed. The knowledge of construction, knowledge of how to work with steel, the people that work with steel and what they know, steel reacts differently than wood. So having that knowledge is so very valuable. And just creating the right 
team, having the project managers, having a good vice president of construction, having people that know how to run numbers to do a neighborhood in. Figuring out how to do one project, one single house is one thing. Figuring out how to do hundreds of them, that's on a whole nother level. And even with a college background and real estate background and the family background I had, 20 years ago, I didn't have nearly the knowledge. I didn't have what it would take and I would have been too darn scared to do it. I always tell people, don't ever let what if get in the way of what is, but I didn't have nearly enough skills or knowledge to do it 20 years ago. And I hope that my common sense would have said, yeah, you, you can't do that. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Go get the knowledge to do it. Building one house is one thing. Building hundreds of houses right. and, and change the way people live, work, play, and create so that we can all have a better future at the bottom of it all. That's what we're trying to do. And that takes a whole nother level of skill. And while I thought of this as a retirement job, it's becoming a whole different thing now. And I'm really proud of what it's becoming and the team we've created to bring it to life and to actually make it happen. But it takes that 20 years of experience to get here. Based on your experience, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? Don't ever take no for an answer and dream big. There's a lot of things that need to be done out there. We all have a part in it and we all should be doing that part. So don't ever take no as an answer, dream big, and don't let money ever be why you don't do it. You have everything you need to do it with. Just find the people, connect up, and get it done. Ready for the best ever lightning round? Absolutely. All right, let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Today's sponsor, Patch of Land, has got document for you that you've got to check out if you're a fix and flipper. They show you how a higher interest rate can actually deliver a lower cost to your fix and flip loan. And conversely, how a lower interest rate could deliver a higher cost to your fix and flip loan. Needless to say, you got to know this stuff to identify the best loan terms. Go to patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Get this document, patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Feeling lost on your roadmap to wealth? Tune in to the newly launched REI Foundation podcast where hosts Jason and Peely give you all the steps and missteps towards achieving your investing dreams. Featuring interviews from top industry professionals, make sure you listen and subscribe to REI Foundation Podcast at com. Best ever book you've read? Best ever book i read. Oh, gosh, that's a hard one. I like The Road Less Traveled. Oh, I do too. Uh, Scott Peck. Yeah. I love that whole series, Road Less Traveled, Road Less Traveled and Beyond. Further along the road, he really got carried away on the Road Less Traveled series. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Great, yeah, great book series. Absolutely. Best ever deal you've done? Best ever deal I've done. There's a big deal that we're doing right now with a large international multimedia conglomerate that is going to be announced in January. And I'm pretty proud of it, and it's going to be a game changer for this company. So far, that's maybe the best one I've pulled off. Best ever way you like to give back? I've always been a giver from the time I was a child, collecting for hurricane victims and doing good deeds. One of the things we're doing with Make It Modular is giving homes and businesses, creating spaces in the communities that we're working in and giving them to the communities. And I'm really proud of that solution. And that's so far, that's the biggest thing, giving actual buildings to the communities that we're working in. That's a pretty big deal. And, and I'm pretty proud of that. That is a big deal. And 
how can the best ever listeners learn more about what you got going on in your company and get in touch with you? Visit us up the website, which is going to be totally of all the things we have coming up this next year. Our marketing firm is redoing the website, but visit us at the website. Give us a call or come visit us here in Austin and see what we're doing. We love to entertain people and we love to talk to people about what it is we're doing. Large shipping container homes and the business model about how to make that happen and make it into as you said, nine figure revenue. Is that what you yeah, said? Yeah, we're bumping. What up. is that? That's close to a hundred million dollars. A couple of hundred million dollars next year oh. is what we have on the table. Wow, line. that's impressive. Thank you for being on the show with us. Thanks for talking through your approach. It's incredibly impressive, and I'm excited to see where you take the company in the future. Hope you have a best ever day. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having us. Feeling lost on your roadmap to wealth? Tune in to the newly launched REI Foundation Podcast, where hosts Jason and Peely give you all the steps and missteps towards achieving your investing dreams. Featuring interviews from top industry professionals, make sure you listen and subscribe to REI Foundation Podcast at com.